Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we got Keith Lee versus Chris Jericho. A little fuckery goes a long, long way. We're going to jump over to Japan. A big shocker in Japan. Sonata shocks the world. And we're going to cover a little WWE at the back end. Cody throws down the gauntlet. Is Brock going to answer that? And no Bill Vagie. God loves me some loves me some me this week. That's week on the band from Ringside Podcast. Ditched at nine to five. It's time to fill live. What up, Marks? Welcome to the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast. I'm your special guest host, Jason Cornelius Bell, JCB, a.k.a. The Smart Mark. And out there, out there in Portland, Oregon, you know him, you love him. I call him the heart and soul of BFR. Other guys call him Two Beer Zach Pullman. Let's just call him Two Beer Zach Pullman. Two Beer, tell me something good. Oh, man, something good. I don't have anything good today. Uh, <laughs> I did talk to ask you about how your day was, so that was probably a, 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 the worst <laughs> question in the world to ask. <laughs> but uh, something good is uh, I'm back on the podcast, and I got stuff to say. Yeah, I was about to say, he has thoughts. I have thoughts. One person that doesn't have thoughts, your regular host, William Vega, he is gone for the week. He is going to Seattle early in the morning. I believe it. he said it was a 5.55 flight out of St. Louis to Seattle to go see Fish. That's his excuse. We'll just leave it at that and not ask him too many more questions going forward. Otherwise, like I said, he's out of here this week. Have a safe trip, Bill. We'll see you next week. Neither here nor there. Um, another broadcasting notes that I can think of off the top of my head. I guess I got to do my spiel to at least mark the the date of the podcast. So on that lovely note, I'll ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 303, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. Now, we got that good shit out the way. Two beers back. We're going to, like I said, we're going to talk a little uh, Segura Genesis to start. So for those who don't like New Japan, that I'm looking at you, Mike. You can start fast forwarding from this point on. I'll have the, the time stamp for you here in a little bit. Then we're going to talk about A-Dub. CM Punk might be coming back. We're going to get two beers thoughts on that. And then obviously we're going to talk a little WWE on the back end. Talk about Cody Rhodes because we didn't get it. Two beers perspective on Cody Rhodes last week. We'll get his perspective on it this week and what he thinks about his upcoming match against Brock Lesnar. We ain't got time to be fucking around. Well, actually, we do, but I'm going to keep this shit rolling. Let's get to that three count. Yeah, the one count this week, uh, we're going to go over to Japan. Like I said, to me, this was still the biggest story of the week. Sonata upsets the apple cart and wins the IWGP heavyweight championship over Kazuchika Okada. I call it an upset. I don't care if anybody else does. That's what I think personally. I was waiting for the banana peel to come out and Sonata to slip on it. And every time I thought it was going to happen, he just stepped up to the plate. He made five guys, just five guys look good. I laughed at that on uh, the 
Phoenix Splash podcast, we jokingly called it burgers and fries. So I had to come back this week with a big old spoon in my hand and <laughs> start giving these guys respect. I thought this was a really good match. Probably the match of the, the week It's going to be on the list of match of the year just because of the surprise nature of it. I put a poll on BFR podcast. I guess it was a couple of days after the fact, which was the bigger shock, Roman retaining or Sonata winning. Roman retaining won, but it was a, by a much smaller version than I thought with 58% of the uh, vote going to Roman Reigns. So thank you for all those who have voted. But I'll just kick it to you. Two beer, you watched it. You saw it. You introduced me to New Japan. Showed me who this Okada guy was and told me this was the guy to watch. And he's dropped the title to Sonata. Thoughts on the match? Uh, it was not, uh, yeah, it was not the best Okada Sonata match, but that is um, not saying anything because they've had some very, very excellent matches. Uh, but this was definitely a solid main event, big show, New Japan match. Um, really enjoyed it. I love the finish. Um, Sonata finished the story. Uh, <laughs> you ain't Ghetto, shit. <laughs> Ghetto did everything the WWE refused to do. Bullshit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it felt like the timing was right. Um, you know, just like you guys talked about with WrestleMania last week, um, it just felt like the timing was right. You know, like it felt like it was time for a change. And I, you know, was arguing that in, um, Toronto, you know, or Montreal rather, right. Sammy Zane. Right. I was arguing that, uh, even like way back in Clash of the Castle, like, although that was a little bit more of a, incidental thing but um i thought it could be good because we've seen drew be that guy anyway this is not that count so i don't want to get too far off the rail <laughs> but i just go ahead man you missed a week man go ahead hit your shit dog yeah. <laughs> just uh, just kind of as a comparison you know like uh you know this this was really solid booking and it just felt like the right time because Sonata's got a new look. He's mm. he's got the the black hair. He's got new music. He's the leader of a new faction. He's he's wearing trunks instead of pants. Right. Um, you know, really, kind of the only thing that's ever been missing with Sonata is the charisma. He's got everything else. He's got the look. He's got the talent. Um, the match quality is there. Um, it's just kind of this like charisma factor, and you know him <clears throat> leading this faction. It just feels like, you know, a good time to freshen up. And it just told an excellent story. We've seen Sonata go up against this time and time again, and not not just with the belt, but specifically with the belt against Okada. And um, I just thought it was, it was excellent, fun booking. And as an example, you know, I feel like New Japan's on an upswing as far as booking and as far as, uh, you know, they're always having, like, great quality matches, but – there's new factions, right? It's like, it basically like all they did was dissolve Suzuki Goon and then like mix some people around. Right. And it feels so much better. Like if you're somebody who regularly watches New Japan, it feels so much fresher. And uh, this was just indicative of that. It feels good. Uh, I'm, it's worthwhile, you know? Uh, so I don't know what you thought about it. No, um, Suzuki, I never tripped off of like when you were saying when Suzuki Goon broke up and they put, you know, different parts together. They get basically put Suzuki in his own little mini faction with uh, Renarita and Desperado. With him, uh, Tai Chi obviously goes to uh, just five guys. It's 
if you just dropped in and watched New Japan right now, you would kind of think, <clears throat> excuse me, you would kind of think that this was minus just five guys. This was the way, you know, the New Japan uh, I guess roster would kind of shake down faction wise or whatever the case may be. I totally agree with that. It it does feel like it's fresh. ELP getting the boot out of Bullet Club is another example of this because he'll fall into somebody's lap. Um, personally, you know, I said I wanted him in LIJ because I think he would be a nice fit for LIJ, his laissez-faire attitude to things, but he can still be a heel. I think that would probably be the my personal choice, but it's a marked choice. I'll, for, I'll totally admit that. Um, but I do agree with the fact that this was a ballsy call, okay? You just don't take the title off of arguably your top guy in the company and not have to think of take a second or third look at it. I get, you know, this is Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns all over again. The fact that, and I said it last week, the fact that they pulled the trigger on the fact that Roman was going to retain, that's a ballsy, that's a ballsy call right there. No two ways around it. They could have easily just did what everybody expected him to do and move along. Gato did it differently, and he's going to keep going with that, and I have no problem with it. It, it ultimately leads me to think of, you know, Sonata's going to get his chances with guys, you know, LIJ guys, obviously. Hiromu came out post-match and dropped the gauntlet to be the first challenger, but he has to put up the junior title over Kanemaru first before we even get to Sonata and Hiromu. But Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, easily will all spray these were all guys as soon as he won off the top of my head that i was thinking of that he could possibly have title defenses against so i mean in that scenario you have freshness at the top okada was on one of them nasty little rolls that he normally likes to get on where it's like damn who's gonna beat okada because now to me that was going to be the running question will osprey was my opening guess but now obviously that's put on hold obviously we can still get to that but the G1 is going to be the the next, I guess, springboard to figure out who's going to be the guy to possibly challenge Sonata. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Sonata held it to at least the G1. That's in, what, uh, July, I believe. Uh, I think it's the 15th to the 14th of August. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sonata holds it at that point. If he drops it beforehand, I think that would be even the bigger surprise. Um, kudos to Gato, like I said, Calling this, making this call is a ballsy, ballsy call, and I have to give all credit for that. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was basically waiting, like I said, for Okada to go ahead and wrap this thing up. I will say the one time that I was like, okay, you know what, fuck you, Okada, is when he went to the money clip about halfway through the match. And I'm like, okay, dude, really, really? I mean, you ain't got enough respect to just go ahead and finish this motherfucker. You got to come out with the money clip. You that bored? So a part of me was kind of glad that the money clip was not rewarded. You saw the match. What did you think when he pulled the money clip out? I thought Kevin Kelly hit it right on the head where he's like, He's trying to pull. He's trying to beat him with a B finisher, like a, <laughs> a disrespect thing. It felt like it was disrespectful. It's like when you know you got somebody pinned and the guy pulls him up, or the girl pulls him up, or whatever the case may be. I'm like, okay, immediately, I am rooting for the other person at this point because you need to learn. You ain't supposed to be doing that shit. And I think that's kind of the, the story that 
I'm taking away from this match. I'm waiting for Okada to come back whenever it is on New Japan proper because I believe he'll be over in the States this weekend in uh, D.C., and the, but then obviously they'll come back at some later point. I want to see what's... Probably be Dominion, I'm, I'm thinking, because you got Hiromu for Dantaku, which is a good opponent because, A, it's super cool because Hiromu's a junior, and they usually don't have the junior challenge the heavyweight hardly ever. They do it like on the anniversary shows, and it's usually not even necessarily for the title. So this is cool. And they have the former stablemates, and you know that they're going to have a good match. But uh, I figure after Don Taku, Dominion will probably be Okada's rematch because Sonata said he would give him a rematch right, right. afterwards. Yeah, so. it was just it's funny because he was like, now I get to say this, you know, I'll see you down the line or whatever the case may be. I was just like, God damn, you know, this is all <laughs> kinds of weird. What the fuck? It's like the Twilight Zone is shit. I will give Sonata credit. I did, like I said, I didn't think that he would win this match. As soon as the, the junior title match ended, I was like, okay, you know, basically this is over. I kind of settled in to just kind of watch the, uh, the, the coronation, I guess, for Okada to begin. <clears throat> when he reversed that Rainmaker, I was like, okay, this 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 ain't the way I thought this was going to go. That's when I was starting to think this might actually happen. All kudos to both guys on the, on the end of this match. The last five, six, seven minutes are classic. New Japan, balls to the wall, reverses, backslides. You know, one false finish where I thought the backslide was going, well, it was the O'Connor roll, and he rolled him into the, the bridge or whatever, and it was like 2.99999 for infinity. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But this is what I thought was, New Japan is back, and then this was a great indication of how, Things are getting ready to be a lot different in 2023. But we'll talk more about that here in a second. Let's jump backwards. Um, let's go talk about Robbie Eagles versus Hiromu Takahashi. Obviously, we are kind of gave it away a little bit. Hiromu retains over Robbie Eagles in 2112. I uh, thought this was a Robbie Eagles kind of a match that he had control of, and then it slipped out of his fingers towards the end. Hiromu came in with the bad wheel. Robbie Eagles attacked that uh, bad leg pretty much throughout submissions inside, outside the ring. I thought Hiromu, quiet as it's kept, Robbie Eagles is a former IWGP junior champion. Guess who he beat, boys and girls? That's right, one Hiromu Takahashi. So I thought we would have, you know, lightning striking a second time. Unfortunately for Robbie Eagles, that wasn't the case. Really good match. I thought this was going to be the swerve of the night where Robbie Eagles was going to come back, get back with the TMDK, and then take the title off of Hiromu, setting up Hiromu for BSOJ. Obviously not the case. What would you think about the junior heavyweight title match? Uh, this match was awesome. Um, there was also a moment that scared the ever-living shit out of me. Mm. They, they did a, uh, Robbie Eagles did a uh, poison Rana to Hiromu from the top rope. And Hiromu, who's already broken his neck in the ring once, landed right on the top of his fucking head. Just disgusting. Um, how, he, man. how he didn't get more hurt is, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, just. This, Who knows he could be. You know what I mean? <laughs> this motherfucker here is, yeah, he could easily be walking around with a broken freaking neck. I saw that same spot. It made it's one of those cringy spots where I was like, "Okay, is he getting up? 
match. Yeah, all right. But I mean, ultimately, that didn't mean anything. He finished the match with uh, Desperado with the fucking broken neck. So, I mean, you know, what difference did it make at this point? Fucking crazy. But uh, no, this was, uh, you know, if this is your first for either guy, like if you, you know, were new, New Japan subscriber or whatever if you're like uh, you know say you signed up to see Sasha Banks right or, or Mercedes but you know you're somebody like that right uh, this is an absolute fantastic showcase of why the junior division is so fucking great mm. in New Japan and just always has been but I mean Hiromu's just uh, he's the new ace you know he's the ace of the junior division always has a fantastic match just uh, an absolute just dripping with charisma like people want to love Hiromu so much and everybody does. And, um, man, Robbie Eagles, there were some moments in this match. I thought for sure he was taking this belt. Like, yep. uh, he's also just a, a very fantastic wrestler. You want to root for him. Um, but, uh, you know, he does that sets up the knee bar with the, uh, the four fifty to the, to the knee. And he got that, um, right after it's over. It's over. <laughs> I was like, yeah. God damn. Roman's getting ready to tap again. Absolutely. So this, I mean, this was awesome. Uh, this show was awesome. Uh, you know, even as we go back, uh, the, pretty much like the final four matches, uh, you could say the final five, uh, but the final four matches were all like legitimately excellent matches. Mm. Uh, this, I mean, this was a, this was an excellent worth. Uh, it was, it was, it's worth your time to watch this pay-per-view. No, it, it definitely, what was it, three, five, nine matches, if I'm counting it right? Yeah, nine matches, and no match went over 26 minutes. The, the main event was the 26-minute match. Outside of that, you basically had this pay-per-view rolling right along. So, I mean, if you got time to, to sit down and watch it, by all means, put yourself down, get, get your beverage or weed of choice, and knock yourself out with some good-ass wrestling. Quick sidebar. So, obviously, uh, Kanemaru is going to be next up for Hiromu before Hiromu can touch uh, Sonata. Do you see a title change in that match? Now, mind you, uh, Hiromu lost to Kanemaru in last year's BSOJ, got boat raced. It was one of those times where you didn't ever really get Hiromu, ever really see Hiromu get waxed like that. It still stands out. When he won the title back, he said he wanted a piece of Kanemaru just for that fact. And now we have this match. Do you see a title change? Uh, I don't see a title change, but it does make uh, for, a, you know, for a good story and, and for a good challenger. But, uh, yeah, Kanemaru is just not a, like a, a singles champ dude. He's really good in the ring, but um, I don't know, in my head, um, I just wouldn't do it. If I was booking. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I just think that the just five guys push is just starting. The fact that you you pulled the biggest trigger and you took the title off of Okada. I mean, is Hiromu that much more of an untouchable person at this point? I mean, I'm just saying, you know, and this is from the LIJ guy in the room, so take it for what it's worth. I wouldn't be surprised if Hiromu retained, but on the flip, <clears throat> in my head, I have my head already 
expecting to be kicking something if uh Romu does do that shit. But you know, that's the LIJ mark in me. Um next up, like I said, going backwards, I thought arguably the match of the night. Fifteen thirty, I believe, bell to bell, Aussie Open versus Bishimon. Obviously Bishimon coming in as the rating defending IWGP tag team champions. Aussie Open, arguably one of the hottest teams in the world and i'm talking in any promotion every time you look up i've seen these jokers running around um mark davis and kyle fletcher we talked about them a little bit towards the end of the uh new japan cup mark davis more specifically having to take will osprey's spot and having pretty good success taking his uh spot beating evil but then end up losing in the the semifinal if i'm not mistaken and then uh kyle fletcher obviously with the same individual success so them coming into this match they had beaten uh bishiman goto and yoshihashi in, in singles matches uh respectively they beat them in a, uh, a six-man tag i believe was a, a preview match so Aussie Open had all kinds of momentum going in. And my heart of hearts, I was thinking, you know what? This is where I think Gato's going to pull the, you know, I got your ass. You know, I'm an Aussie Open guy. I kind of wanted to see them win. Bishimon has kind of raised up the prestige of the IWGP tag team titles, which is not necessarily an easy thing to do because Gato does not care about the tag team division, apparently. But he has at least done enough to where it felt like this was a big-time match. Aussie Open comes out, wins the match. Kyle Fletcher busts his head open pretty much like two minutes in. And they have to wrap his head up, and he's bleeding through the bandage. I thought that added some drama to the match. Plus, the natural, um, I guess, feud, for lack of a better word, between the two teams. They saw each other in a World Tag League a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Aussie Open won the, the original with well, the first match, but then lost in the final against Bishimon. And now Aussie Open on top of the IWGP tag team division. What do you think of the match? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be good because Aussie Open is just, they're just absolutely fantastic. Like you said, they're the ones that go anywhere in the world and will have an excellent match with anybody. And Bishimon's been. Uh, they've been cool, man. Like they're they're good. Like they're a good team, and uh, I do feel like the tag titles mean something. Uh, that spot scared me. I saw Kyle Fletcher, you know, do his top rope um, moonsault, like Ari Har moonsault, like off the top rope to the outside, and he hits the back of his head Oof. on the guardrail with all the force of him falling from twelve feet in the air. Uh, just absolutely insane. And I was like, oh my god, that had to hurt so bad. And I said, you see him down there with the meds and the medics. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this dude, like, might have, like, really taken himself out. I was thinking concussion. Yeah, exactly. Me, too. And who knows if he hasn't. But he was so good right afterward. They just, you know, with Finn Balor and Helena felt like they put staples, like, in Finn's head. Oof. Here they just wrapped him, bandaged around him, like, super tight. <laughs> yeah, I can't He's get cool. back in there. <laughs> you ain't got time for yeah. those staples. <laughs> Lead so so much like through the bandage, but uh, just just phenomenal. And if if you're familiar with Aussie Open, like they're you know they got a, a hard hitting, fast paced like tandem style. They're a very dynamic tag team to watch. And um, 
you know, he wasn't missing a beat. And I, like you said, he did add drama to the match. It made him even more of a baby face. I think it, it added to the match because it, it made um, him feel like he's fighting from underneath and mm. like he's a plucky underdog. And people, I feel like, were really behind him in this match. And, yeah, they got the win. And I was pleasantly surprised, man. Um, very cool. Uh, excellent match. Uh, like, only 15 minutes long. You know, right. So. right. That's what I was saying because I went on cage match and I was, you know, we had talked about this on uh, – PSP, I guess that was Monday when we recorded, and I was writing down the time, and I was like, 15 minutes? Wait, what the fuck? Let's <laughs> say this was 15 minutes? I was like, no way. This felt like 25 in the best way possible. It just, uh, like I said, once Fletcher hit the uh, the back of his head on that guardrail, the whole kind of tone, the... I guess the just I guess the tone is the word I'm going for. Just the match just changed. It just felt like, you know, now things felt a little more, you know, tense or whatever the case may be, where this was Aussie Open's chance. Cause I mean if you didn't get it now, you you know, when are you gonna get the next chance? So that like I said, that added to just the, the pure emotion of the match. The crowd turning on Bishimon towards the end. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, are they booing these jokers? So they were getting ready to put, the, I guess, the finisher on. I think it was Kyle Fletcher. And, you know, the crowd started to boo. And I'm like, what's this? Unbelievable. <laughs> they were cheering the Gaijins. What the fuck is yeah. going on? I was like, man, let me get this straight. So let me, poor Yoshihashi has battled to this point. Now this is like the height of his career. You know, they, this is as good as it's going to get. He's never going to be world heavyweight champion. So this is it. This is it. And you booing this poor bastard. I was like, man, this shit's crazy. But that's, I guess, credit to Aussie Open as how good they are and how the fans have connected with them moving forward up to this point where they wanted them to beat arguably, you know, their best team in the division in uh, Bishima, which I just, like I said, I heard that. I thought that was absolutely crazy. Did you trip off of that or no? Oh, like the fans turning? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not like, you know. Yeah, Yeah, not a full, but yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was noticeable. And I wonder if it would have happened without the head injury, but I think it might have. I think the head injury definitely, you know, like I said, made this feel more like it was a dire, you know, do or die situation. I I think they it, it was kind of 50-50 to come into it because, like I said, Aussie Open, I think, is one of the best teams in the world. And the fact that they, you know, they come back to Japan and they've kind of stayed there for a little bit, I think that's, you know, ingratiated themselves with the, the Japanese audience. Um, I don't know. I would like I want, a part of me wants to say yes, but just watching, just thinking in my head that the the tenor, I guess, of the match just changed when he cracked his head. It felt like you know this might have been Aussie Open's night. Um, this was another one where I thought the chance would retain. So them pulling the trigger, them being Gato pulling the trigger on this. Big time surprise. Not saying it's a bad thing. TMDK, I think, is going to be the first up, if I saw that correctly, on the backstage comments. So that's Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes. I think, you know, they, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Aussie Open in World Tag League. So obviously they have a claim kind of right there just waiting to be had. Jeff Cobb and ZSJ backstage makes an agreement to have a title match for the World TV Championship, so that's going to be real, real interesting. I mean, Jeff Cobb's a big-ass boy. ZSJ with 15 minutes. I don't know 
if anybody can beat ZSJ in 15 minutes, but if someone can, it could be Jeff Cobb, but we'll hold off on that until we get to that point. Speaking of ZSJ, God damn, that was a good ass segue. Let's talk about Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shota Umino in the uh, World TV Championship match. Obviously, we have the 30 minute time, I'm sorry, the 15 minute time limit versus the 30 minute time limit they had in the New Japan Cup. And I was thinking to myself, this, this could be a scenario that totally helps Zack Sabre Jr. Because, like I said, who the hell is going to beat Zack Sabre Jr. in 15 minutes? Unfortunately, it wasn't Shoto Umino in this case. Zack Sabre Jr. retains with a nice backslide into a bridge for the win. To me, the biggest takeaway point from this match is Shota, even in 15 or what is it, 13, 35, if I'm reading my handwriting correctly, in 13, 35, Shota was step to step with ZSJ no matter what happened and that's kind of a crazy thought because this is coming from the guy that says Zack Sabre Jr. is the best technical wrestler in the world and he'll tell you that too Shota Umino was right there with him every step of the way it just one mistake at the end cost him the inexperience of Shota bites him in the ass the best technical wrestler in the world gets him in a technical move to finish the match Thoughts on ZSJ versus Shota Umino? Uh, this match was awesome. I also thought that uh, it was like Shota Umino's time. I think the crowd thought that it was Shota Umino's time. And, um, you know, Zach's been really, really good with this, even though his style doesn't necessarily lend itself to high-speed, fast matches. Agreed. He's done a fantastic job with this belt. So it's, um, he's like the anti world TV champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely uh, fantastic match, though. Uh, and I do love this uh, format. Like, I love the TV title. It's like the high speed title and Stardom, which is like you know one of my favorites on the shows. So um, I think that you know eventually it'll be somebody's time to. Uh, to beat Zack Sabre and then, you know, hopefully it elevates him to, you know, kind of be more in that heavyweight picture division, uh, you know, at least as a worthy challenger, if not winning the actual belt. Because, I mean, in kayfabe, like, he is the best technical wrestler, right? And that's how he's presented. So I do think that he deserves more world title opportunities um, for that. No, and I, I try to say that I hate when people say with all due respect and then the next words coming out of their mouth is, you know, somebody they're getting ready to run somebody down, but I'm going to get ready to do this. With all due respect, Sonata winning the title opens up a lot of people to be, you know, a worthy contender. And it's not a knock against, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. I think Zack Sabre Jr. and Okada, we've seen it before. It's just Okada's essentially that guy. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a special effort from someone to usurp him when he has the title when Sonata has the title you can kind of look you can put Zack Sabre Jr. you know up and be like uh, I can see Zack Sabre Jr. winning this you can put Naito up there Shingo up there you know other, uh, Will Ospreay you know Will Ospreay put him on the shelf with a broken fucking orbital bone so I mean you know these are the things that you know when I said when you said 
you know, it's freshened everything up. And I was thinking, damn, you know, there's a lot of new matches that can be coming out of this and matches that would feel much more 50-50, maybe even 60-40 if you like Sonata a lot and you think he's going to win that match. It still feels more even than it would be when Okada is at the top of the hill. At that point, you're just like, okay, you ain't winning. You ain't winning. Hey, you might win. You ain't winning. You ain't winning. So to me, Okada being on top is good because everybody knows who he is and he's he's the draw. Sonata makes things much more interesting because now it feels like most, not most anybody, but instead of four guys having a, a chance, now eight guys have a chance. Sure, absolutely. Next up, um, we'll go with the ladies. It was the triple threat match, Azumi versus Hazuki versus Mercedes Monet coming in as the reigning defending IWGP Women's Championship. It was initially, <clears throat> excuse me, Initially, he's supposed to be Azumi, who is the uh, Stardom High Speed uh, ch- champion at the time. Currently, uh, if you don't watch Stardom, uh, first off, shame on you. Secondly, she is uh, has the record for the most title defenses as the High Speed champion in 10. So she's coming in extremely hot. Hazuki um, is essentially, a, I guess, a rival of... Uh, Azumi, they kind of battled for the high-speed championship four or five years ago, whatever the case may be. Now, obviously, Hazuki has kind of gotten her way into this match. And then, obviously, Mercedes Monet, a.k.a. Sasha Banks. This is her second title defense. I thought this was going to be a, a – I thought she was going to retain, but I just wasn't sure how we were going to get there. And crazy as it sounded – and. This is just me, and I'll I'll, get, I'll ask you first because I know what I thought. How did you think Mercedes Monet looked in ring versus the two, especially one in Azumi, who's essentially the high speed ace, but Hazuki, who's also been a high speed champion multiple times? How did you think Sasha Banks looked in ring? Slow. I said the same thing, and then I was like, "Well," wait, and I watched the match the second time, and I was just like, "Wait a minute." Well, she's not slow. These two are just really, really fast. For WWE terms, she seemed fast, but the style is different. They don't, you know, do that. Most don't do the Lucha Libre, you know, bouncing off the ropes. So WWE speed, she was faster than most anybody else. EO Sky probably is the first person I can think of that would probably be similar to Sasha Banks right now. In this match... When she ran, like, like the first time she like ran the ropes or like she went from corner to corner, I was like, damn, she seems slow. At least that's just the way my knee jerk reaction was that's the way I looked at it the first time. And then I watched it the second time and I was like, well, she's not slow. It's just that these two are faster, if that makes sense. Totally. And yeah, she looks slow. And it's only because she's in the ring with two other women who just work a lot faster. And they're just, I mean, the stardom women's wrestlers are the best wrestlers in the world. They're some of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, it's it's just night and day. And, I mean, Sasha or, or Mercedes, you know, uh, one of the best American wrestlers. She's got absolute star presence more than almost anybody on the stardom roster as far as just presenting herself like a star and, and the charisma factor and stuff. I think uh, – I think Julia give her a run for her money as far as like um, pushing herself as like Julia feels like a star all the time, right? Right. Um, and uh, so she's got that going. But, uh, you know, 
it is just it just goes to show how there there's just a, a whole chasm of experience and it's just a different league um you know it's it's similar to uh it's just kind of like how you were trained like sasha's been in she's in nxt she's in wwe she you know it's not like she was in like the indies work in japan like the the jamie haters and the uh, of the world, you know, doing and the Tony Storms, and then they got into like WWE. You know, she's learned a certain way, and she's learned a certain speed, and that just becomes kind of your how you go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, it's just it's just like, like it's not like a broken record. It's a it's a different world. Um, it was funny. I I know Bill's big Charlotte fan. He's not here to defend himself. I'm not trying to Uh-oh. run him down. That, okay, that so match good. Was, go, no, go ahead. Take the shot at him. Get him. Get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not here to defend himself. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that Charlotte match was phenomenal. She's a great big match wrestler. But, For sure. uh, you know, I know Charlotte might be the best women's wrestler I've ever seen. I'm like, she's not even in the top 10. Like, Ooh. Damn! If you talk about best, best like women's wrestlers in history, like not even in the top ten, and like all ten of those that I'm talking about, they're like, like out, out of all ten of them, right? Yeah, like you know, uh, you Toyota, broke up on there. You said I'll t- say that last part again. You broke up on me at the end. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're probably all Japanese, right? Just throughout mm. history, and um, whether currently or you know, Minami Toyota and um, all of these women. Um, but that's not saying like. To be the eleventh best, right? It's a phenomenal thing. Yeah, I was going to say I, I I wouldn't be mad if I was the number you know eleventh of of a hundred or whatever the case may be. Shit of twenty, I, I'm cool with that too, motherfucker. And I could be exaggerating, but it's just um, I'm just gushing about how great um, these Japanese women wrestlers are. Um, what is it? It's a, just a, a it's a whole tw- new product. Azumi's 20, Azuki's like 25. I'm like, Jesus Christ almighty. I mean, this yeah. is this is what I'm talking about. You know, these are, Azumi's not even hit her prime. Azuki's probably coming into her prime. And you brought Mercedes in, who's basically in her prime right now. I thought the match, you know, overall was pretty good. A couple of missed spots, but I think that's just, you know, the speed of... I'm going hyper fast and you're not going fast enough, or maybe you're going in Sasha's mind, you're going too fast, whatever the case may be. I thought there was a couple of missed spots. I thought the finish was nicely done where Mercedes hit her uh, finisher with Azumi on her back when then throwing it basically Azumi off her back onto Azuki. Azuki doesn't take the pin, which was a kind of surprise because I thought that that was going to be the way that they would kind of, you know, protect Azumi as, you know, the high-speed champion, but not the case. She ate the pin. Oh, no, I thought this this was the start of, like you said, a five-match run where this was a good show to start, but then this match kind of kicked it into another gear where even they, and I love how they slid in that, you know, World TV Championship right in between because that's not going to take long, but it's a, a title match, so you're going to want to watch it more times than not. You get that bad boy in, and then they ran the, the last three matches, tag team, junior title, and heavyweight title. I thought this was a, a really good five-match stretch. And we I know we talked about WrestleMania, where especially night one, when they had that three- to four-match stretch in a row, was starting, with, I guess, really with Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. And it ran down, obviously, with uh, the Usos and Sami Zayn at the end in the main event. 
I will argue this is comparable. I'm not going to say better, but I'll say comparable. You saw it both. What would you think? Comparable. Yeah, I mean, this was one, like, it's in the running for one of the best shows of the year, for sure. Just in general. My man, I'll say you didn't have to agree with me, but thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> Just, no, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, everything's like subjective, right? But uh, right. we obviously are both people who love that New Japan style. I like when New Japan is good, New Japan is so good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a little, it's a little less consistent as far as, um, you know, storytelling. You know, it's like every AW pay per view is like kick ass, right? Well, they, they don't, they don't do it like New Japan has one every month. So right. it's a little less consistent as far as like that level of quality, but usually the main event's good. You don't normally get like you said, this five match streak. <clears throat> I was like, Oh damn. I was like, yeah, it's not like the best match. Um, the, the women's trio, but I was like, that was fun. Right. It was good. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoy Sasha over there. I don't want to say anything bad just because she's not, you know, working as as quickly as like these other women who specialize in high speed matches, right? right. Uh, it is awesome to see her doing what she's doing. I mean, we've been begging for it for forever, and uh, you know, to get some of those excellent women from WWE over to Japan. So this is cool. She's living the dream. We're we're getting to see it, and uh, I appreciate it. But uh, but yeah, you don't normally always get these like five match runs. And Sakura Genesis, if I would have had to pay fifty bucks for it. Good thing that you know somebody that's got uh, the. <laughs> well, actually, you have it too. So I was about to say, I pay, I, I pay for mine. Yeah, I was about to say you got it too. And so in that scenario, we're good. Um, just a, a kind of a side note on Mercedes. So obviously, Mercedes retains, and Mayu Iwatani. She has next up. Um, she basically comes in the ring and gets slapped by Mercedes. So they'll have their match. Uh, I believe it's the 23rd of this month for the IWGP championship. I think that would be much more of a, a match that would, wouldn't have to focus on Sasha being fast. I think this is a match where they're both kind of the same type of wrestler. Both can fly, both can wrestle on the ground. So this would be much more of a, a match that I, I think that could be more of a showcase for Sasha. Not saying that she did poorly here by any stretch of the imagination. I thought, like, I agree with Zach. I thought this was a really fun match. I would have liked to seen her go one on one with Azumi, but upon retrospect, that might have <laughs> this might have been the better choice of way to go. But neither here nor there. Just some other uh, notes on this. Yeah, real, 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 real quick before you move on, no, I think uh, Maya versus Sasha will be phenomenal. Mm. I think uh, it would. Also, in the same way, it should open up people to becoming Mayo Iwatani fans because she is arguably the best women's wrestler working right now. Um, She doesn't get a a lot of praise uh, on the American side uh, just because, like, Meltzer hasn't rated as many of her matches as he has, like, some of the other women. Um, But she has just, like, been consistently great for... Mm -hmm. Like a fucking decade. Like she's just, she's she's awesome. Uh, so, the people haven't watched her stuff. Not the same style, but like the level of greatness of like Oscar. Right? She's like that right. fucking good. Yeah, uh, one of the best moving salts in the game, hands down. Um, I remember seeing 
Mayu when ROH, and this was before, this is pre-pandemic, they started their um, women's division. They won to crown their uh, first uh, ROH champion. Shout out to High Five Time, my wrestling warden shaver. Um, I didn't really, wasn't, I wasn't even really impressed with her then, but I just didn't really, I guess I didn't get it, you know, she was good, but she wasn't like, you know, she wasn't as flashy. She wasn't great, but she all, she would pull some shit out. I was like, oh, okay, you know, she was enough to where she would keep my attention, but it was never like enough to where I could really invest. And then I started to watch Star, and then I was like, oh, okay, that's why everybody's going crazy over this bitch. Okay, I get it. My fault. <laughs> so I totally agree with you on that. It's not even a showcase for Mercedes more so at least selfishly it could be a so- showcase for uh Mayu so th- more of the western side of the world knows about her versus everybody else like me who watches everything that's nerdy that uh Bill would say but neither here nor there got see Bill I they're making a love. movie they're making a movie out of Mayu Yudatani's life right like it's called Runaway Wrestler like yeah. I mean she's that big of a cultural like you know, anyway, she's sorry. Uh, sorry, Jade. She's that bitch. Um, just some other <laughs> thoughts. Oh, just like I said, some other like quick notes on the Segura Genesis card. Um, obviously, I kind of said it before, but uh, Finley turns on ELP in their match against uh, it was ELP, Kenta, and Finley versus Hikaleu, Tamatanga, and Master Wado. Um, ELP kicks Wado's head off to win the match, but then post-match, ELP does not participate in the Boga Club beatdown, and then finally, Finley's like, enough's enough. I'm getting ready to whoop your ass. ELP gets whooped. Ishimori comes from the back, low blows him in the nuts, kicks him in the nuts to put the cherry on top of the cake like a fucking mark. I'm like, oh, here comes Ishimori. He's going to come to save oh, the day. I'm like, I God he, I damn it. <laughs> it's like, you fucking mark. It's like I've never seen Bullet Club ever turn on anybody, ever. Okay, I've watched this maybe five, six years. I've seen two, three Bullet Club, you know, beatdowns. You know what I'm saying? It's like I never get it. It's I'm like fucking Charlie Brown. I'm like, okay, let me kick this fucking football. I know it's getting ready to happen. I'm going to kick this football this time. This motherfucker came down. It was just like, no, kick them in the balls. I'm like, all right, fair enough. So ELP out of Bullet Club. I thought the match was, you know, good. It at least sets up ELP basically chasing David Finley. David Finley and Tama Tonga for the never open weight title and then Kenta and Hikaleu for the strong open weight title. That's essentially what this match was all about. But obviously the big story coming out of it was David Finley, I guess, you know, taking charge of Bullet Club, kicking ELP out and everybody falling in line with David Finley. So I'll ask you, David Finley as the leader of Bullet Club, are we good with it? Yeah, I think he's really coming into his own. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I, I like the, the turn on El Fantasmo, who already, even though he's like such a douche and like he's so easy <laughs> to hate because he's just like, like, I just like, he's such a cock knocker, right? That's what I would call him. Uh, but he, his baby, his moveset is very baby face, and I think he can be an excellent baby face as well. And I think mm-hmm. he can be a guy that people really want to root for. Um, you know, I liked whenever they came out, like he, went to like give the kid his hat and I <laughs> got super pissed. 
and they um the hat and he throws it he takes it from the kid and he throws it away so then right. he gives him his shirt instead. So um but no, I, I think it's good. And that's another freshening up, right? right. The bullet club's been around forever. So uh we're you know, we're freshening up the bullet club um as well. So um just just more tweaking and, and you know, taking some risks and dialing some knobs and trying to get some pe- turn some people into top guys. Because uh, it is different. Because now you've got so many challengers for their top belt, and so many like up and comers. And then, you know, again to analogize to WWE, it's like who is there? There's literally uh, just the opportunity of a rematch. That's like the only thing that there is that's fresh. Uh, maybe Gunther, but you're not you're, you know you're not presenting him that way um, right now. So anyway, uh, yeah, good show. Um, just for the fact that I'm that guy, and as a fair and humble host at least this week i'll talk about doki choking out naito that will obviously set up a naito uh doki singles match but they had a six-man tag uh, i believe it was naito bushi and shingo versus uh shit taichi doki and kanemaru sounds right um just five guys wins the match and then post-match all the five guys members are basically except for Shingo and Taichi, they were on the outside, but Doki's choking out uh Naido, which was kind of pissing me off. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> and then how, how are you how are you how would you feel if Doki beat Naito? I would I would kinda In be pissed. Match. I would kinda be pissed. I mean don't get me wrong. Don't I get it. Naido's supposed to put guys over, but this is a junior. Okay. It's not like he's on the level of Hiromu Jr. He's like two two steps down. Like Hiromu Despi. He's on par with Master Watto. Right now, yeah. Okay, when if you put those two guys in the ring, to me it's a, it's kind of a coin flip it. Because I think Watto's on the rise and I like uh Doki, but I think right now it would be a coin flip. If if there is no fuckery and Naito loses that match. All hell's gonna break loose in this apartment. I promise you. It'd be like House of Torture winning a match against Lij. As far as I'm concerned, just not not a happy camper. I would be pissed, but I'm a mark. What do you want from me? Um, House of Torture loses to Hanari, uh, Francisco Akira, Jeff Cobb. The only thing comes out of that is uh, Catch Twenty Two, Akira and TJP accept a junior title match versus Kevin Knight and Kushida. That should be good. Kushida sounds like he'll be coming back for BSOJ, but we'll see what happens on that. And then, as uh, and I even hate to say this, the opening match, the curtain jerker, was really, really fun. And the fact that it had Yano in it, and I'm saying, first and foremost, fuck Yano. And secondly, the fact that I thought this was a fun match should just say how fun this match actually was. Great Okan, Suzuki, and Yano on the t- same team. So Yano has nobody that's quote-unquote a partner versus Desperado, uh, Tanahashi, and Yo. Really fun match. All kinds of shame, chicanery, all kinds of fuckery. Yo, I'm sorry, Yano, Suzuki, and Great Okan win the match. Obviously, Yano with the low blow rolls shit up, and he starts to try to get out of the ring when Suzuki's getting ready to try to tear his head off with a fucking chair. Did you watch the match? Yeah, and I couldn't believe. Uh, I actually, that's so funny that you thought about this. Yeah, it was fun, but I was on the fuck Yano train because he <laughs> pinned Tanahashi. Like, how's Tanahashi <laughs> in the opener getting pinned by Yano? Like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Like, you know, like. 
<laughs> Ain't oh, no good bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'll put an Okada and Tanahashi in the opener and the closer. Now say something about it. Yeah. Who wants some of Gato? Who wants some of Gato? But yeah, these are uh, the first matches. I don't, uh, to be fair, I didn't pay a ton of attention to. Um, just had them on the background when I was working, but I saw that shit and I was like, motherfucker. I <laughs> said, <laughs> ain't no love up in this motherfucker. Don't get me wrong. The fact that Tanahashi goes down, it's just like, it's not like it hasn't happened before. Yano has pinned Tanahashi. It was just like the ultimate cherry on top of a sh- trade wreck shit show of a match. Tanahashi <laughs> takes the, the L. Uh, just one side note on the road to this match. There's one match that I wanted to talk about, and that was the uh, KOPW title match between Hanari and Shingo Takagi. This went about 37 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So the step on this match, you had to win by not only pinning your opponent, but you had to have him submit and then have him not answer the 10 count. So obviously this was going to be a match that was going to take a little bit and both guys laid into each other. I thought this was Hanari's easily his best match. To me, this, you know, like you said, it's, Freshen things up. You're making new stars. This at least makes me think Hanare could be someone that is credible moving forward. Not screaming world heavyweight title. Hell, I don't know if I'm even screaming uh, never open weight title. Maybe U.S. title. Maybe KOPW definitely feels like it's in play. Neither here nor there. I thought that Hanare had a really good match. Like I said, I thought this was his best match that he's had since he's come back, since he's been in United Empire. I thought this was a chance to show all his fucking capabilities and, you know, Shingo, Shingo. So, you know, what you really going to (laughs) do? You said you watched the match. What'd you think of it? Oh, man, this was one of the, I mean, there was a lot of really good matches last week. Uh, Obviously, it's WrestleMania. No shit. You know, without hyperbole, like one of the best WrestleManias of all time. And this was like, I mean, you could argue it was better than anything we saw, um, you know, arguably, you know, different mm-hmm. strokes for different folks, but right. it was on that level. It was on that level of a WrestleMania main event. I'm just like, it was weirdly creative. Like the step sounds funny. Like you have to pin, you have to submit and you have to knock out your opponent. Uh, but that's kind of the KOPW. But the fact that they made that work and just how hard hitting this match was and uh, it felt like a fight. Right. Like an actual like prize fight, and you know Shingo's elevating that KOPW title, which is a total joke. Uh, but he's making it musty TV. Uh, that elevated Hanare, like you said, hundred uh, percent. You know, I feel like yeah, maybe he's never open weight guy. I feel like he'd be a, a really good fit for that. I think and it elevated him in the fans' eyes too. Uh, he mm-hmm. was getting a much bigger reaction on that Sakura Genesis show. He was getting big pops. Uh, because people had seen that match and they were super into it. So, um, yeah, go out of your way. You know, not all the Road 2 shows are always awesome, but uh, this thing absolutely ruled, and it did not feel like 37 minutes. No. Uh, it just felt like watching... <laughs> yeah, like, it felt like watching a... Yeah, it felt like watching a web video of like some dudes fighting, and then you're like, "Holy shit! I just I've been watching this for almost forty minutes." Yeah, it did, uh, it did not feel like thirty seven minutes. It flew right by, honestly. Uh, and I'm, and this comes from the guy that watches from start to finish. So I mean, this was at the end of uh, basically it was a raw. It was like two fifty, I think, was the running time, and the, the last forty minutes was basically this match. 
it just flew right by. I mean, they got after it. And that and like I said, to me, Hanari got over while Shingo went over. If then if that makes sense to you, great. If it doesn't, then I don't know what to tell you. But to me, like you like I said, it it makes me look at Hanari differently. And then obviously, like you said, when he came out early in that six man tag, I thought fans responded to him differently. So, you know, things are looking up for Hanari. I think, you know, overall you you get Will Ospreay back here because uh, obviously oh yeah it's a quick side note they totally forgot about that um so obviously the new japan just announced a four-man tournament uh on one side you have juice robinson and versus uh, versus lance archer on the other side you will have uh tanahashi versus will Ospreay. the two winners will meet each other and then the winner of the, that match will meet kenny omega at dominion I believe Dominion is June this year. Sounds right. I uh, can't remember the exact date, but June feels like it's right. So I'll put your feet to the fire before we move to the two count. Who faces Kenny Omega at Dominion? Oh, um, is it the four man and then they face him at Dominion? Osprey faces Tanahashi. Juice Robinson faces Lance Archer. The winner of those two matches face off against each other, and then the winner of that match gets Kenny Omega at Dominion. Yeah, Kenny at Dominion. Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's Will Ospreay because I feel like you know they're going to be trading, um, but also at the same time, I feel like maybe we pump the brakes on that, and uh, depending, I feel like for me. And granted, this is New Japan booking New Japan, right? They're booking their title. Right. Um, but they are partners with AEW. But I feel like for me, if you're doing Wembley Stadium and you're going to have New Japan talent, I think you headline with Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay. And if you don't, it's like Kenny Omega, Okada, right? So those are like, those are the top two matches that popped into my head. So I feel like that has some bearing on what happens with this. Not saying that they can't have the match at Dominion and say, like, Osprey wins the four-man tournament. Maybe what I would do is Osprey wins the four-man tournament, loses again to Kenny at Dominion, mm-hmm. but then he, he basically kind of gets to have, like, the babyface win in the headliner in Wembley. That's probably what I would do. His redemption story, right, complete. right, right, right. I was, I was thinking the same thing. I didn't, I didn't take it the next step to the Wembley portion of the program, and I can totally, I can totally see that happening. That makes way too much sense. Speaking of Wembley, let's talk some AEW. Let's get to that two count. <laughs> two beer. You know what to do. Talk about AEW. <laughs> oh man, I feel like so much has happened between everything uh for my week but um rampage was pretty decent as rampage battle of the belt um not a whole lot i'm scrolling through my notes here as far as newsworthy stuff um well i was gonna say i like anna jay's new catchphrase you know i got a fat ass and a bad attitude i had to rewind that two times to make sure i heard that shit right i was like what the fuck did this <laughs> what yeah, she, she's got a new uh T-shirt. Uh, shit, I might have to go cool. out and get that T-shirt. Man. Goddamn, <laughs> I might never wear it, but I mean, shit, the fact that she says it and repeats it, pff, she can get some of my money. Yeah, 
Um, but there was a pretty fun opener with uh, Hook defeating Ethan Page. Longest Hook match you've ever seen. Uh, but I thought it was good. Uh, Ethan Page, good opponent for him. Um, but uh, it was like a fall count anywhere, no DQ match. Uh, that was pretty fun if you like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, Jericho Appreciation Society and the Acclaimed, we got that little story. Um, like, they came out and beat some jobbers. Um, couldn't even tell you who they were, but essentially, like, right. they, they then turned on the Acclaimed. And um, so, you know, we got that happening, which uh, we, we all saw coming, but at least maybe that, um, I don't know, I feel like there's always somebody, which makes sense, Jericho Appreciation Society exists, so therefore they're usually going to be in some program, like, uh, you know, but I just don't feel like there's these long-term feuds, so like a claim's not necessarily getting back in that title picture anytime soon, so they're stuck in Jericho Appreciation Society land for a while. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but that's kind of what I felt. No, I, I, I was glad that at least it didn't go, you know, to the point where the acclaimed was like, you know, no, we're not going to join. And then, you know, obviously that's what, obviously that's where we're going. The, the heels were just smart enough to be like, you know what? Fuck you. We're not even going to give you the chance to turn us down. We're just going to jump you. So at least in that scenario, as much as I'm not a huge fan of this angle, I'll give at least creative credit to where they were like, you know what? The heels are smart enough to see that the acclaimed are fucking with them and they have been fucking with them. So, you know what? This is what you get. This is when fuck around meets finds out. <laughs> so in that scenario, okay, fair enough. I ain't got a problem with it. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Speaking of Raina J, uh, she was in the main event against Julia Hart. Neither of these women are main event ready. Uh, but right. you know they gave him the shot. They gave him the opportunity. Um, Rampage very much does come off as like a B show, but uh, this is not uh, necessarily uh, main event material. So it's really kind of all I have, have no, to I, say about that. I agree. Um, Julia Hart won by a little fuckery, black mist to the eyes, and then uh, gets the roll up win. So I mean, it it was what it was. I agree with you. They gave him the shot. I think this is part of the problem why ultimately. Rampage doesn't feel like must see TV because it doesn't feel like if you missed any of these matches, it's like you're kicking your own ass. You know what I'm saying? Darby versus Lee Moriarty was good, but it ultimately sets up uh, Swerve, you know, uh, attacking Darby Alley or at least, you know, announcing he's, um, was it the merger between mogul affiliates and the embassy? So it's mogul embassy, it's whatever. Okay. See, that's what I'm saying. I mean, my, just my reaction for that angle is basically, you know, I, I don't care. And this is how, as much as they're trying to make me care, I don't care. And that's problem. That's part of the problem with rampage. It never really, it takes the dynamite storylines, but it doesn't have that same, must see feel if that makes sense oh yeah uh it never feels like it's something that you have to watch and um i mean even when they did that best of seven uh with the elite and uh death triangle they did that seven times and not one of them was on rampage yeah not a single one yeah that's that's the shit that you need to have on rampage and then have you know matches around it but at least one. Maybe maybe there might have been one. But if the, if there was, it was only one. No, there wasn't one. Okay. I, I remember because I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, okay. You know, yeah, could not believe it. 
but uh so we had battle of the belts right afterwards this is kind of like a two-hour situation but uh really something that i think that they're doing really well there's a lot of shit that happens in aw there's a lot of things going on i think one thing they're doing really really well this international championship with orange cassidy he's on all of these shows every single week he's like an absolute workhorse the people love him and he really makes that title like kind of mean something and they're telling a pretty fun story like he's falling apart right because he's on these shows every single week right um it's really taking a toll on him uh, but he had really good match with Gerlistico, mm-hmm. which set up um afterwards uh set up you know buddy buddy murphy for wednesday which we can talk about here in a moment but um yeah really fun opener for a battle of the belts which are usually uh pretty missable honestly like i was very excited this is like the sixth one Mm -hmm. um the cards are usually on paper pretty missable and then sometimes they'll surprise you and be like a a pretty good show uh but yeah nothing nothing super this kind of felt like maybe a rampage that you wish you would have watched but uh, it's not necessarily a huge deal that you missed. Right. right? No, I agree That's kind of what the Battle of the Belts felt like. No, I agree. Uh, the, the opener with uh, Drew Isico versus Orange Cassidy, I thought was the best match of the night, and that's the scary part about it. Um, I couldn't agree with you more uh, about Orange Cassidy. As, f- as funny as the All-Atlantic title w- sounded, the international title, you know, at least sounds a little better, but, you know, it kind of sounds like intercontinental and almost you know if you're not careful you can easily mix the two up the, the story oh, is orange you know if jim ross is on commentary easily just just stick to orange casty um the, the, that's the basically the story is that we're watching him break down and house of black seemingly is circling over him like vultures and just you know they're not getting the title, but they're doing. They're inflicting damage every time that you know any of them cross paths with him. So ultimately, he'll drop the title. It's just you know now we're getting to the point of a, a long title reign where you know now who does he drop it to? Um, interested to see with that. But yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Orange Cassidy is at least might not come away as a, a world champion anytime soon, but you know that when you see Orange Cassidy moving forward, it ain't going to be easy beating Orange Cassidy. So the, in that scenario, this title reign is getting him over in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. He He's not like a world beater, but he he can win pretty much any match. And, you know, somebody does like dominantly, but he usually, you know, he's not a big guy, he usually sneaks him in there with the mousetrap. And uh, yeah, that's all fine. No, uh, one guy that you don't want to see if you're a champion, you know, God forbid, you know, in a non-title match, you know, he can sneak a title win. That's how I think he gets title matches. Uh, He's not going to be the biggest. He's not going to be, you know, throwing guys over the top, but he'll he'll steal a win from guys that who will underestimate him. And that's basically his, you know, his character, his gimmick, whatever the case may be. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I, usually with like a battle of the belts, I would just say like, just give me some title matches, right? That's all I really care about. Right. I did like this segment, uh, this Mark Briscoe segment, where uh, Jay Lethal comes out and you know Mark Briscoe's talking, and it was like, imagine if there's like a hitchhiker, right? You pull over and like you see like maybe a, a dude that you knew, like, you're like oh, I think I recognize that guy. It looks like he needs the ride, 
And then uh, you pull over, like, hey, you need a ride? He's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then he, like, says, hey, guys, we got a ride. And then, like, four other dudes come over the embankment. And, uh, you know, all, all of a sudden they're, like, jumping in the back of your truck. And you're like, oh, shit, I didn't sign up for this. No That's shit. That's what it felt like. Mark <laughs> the felt look like, on his so. face is like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my man, damn. Lethal, like, basically just, like, tricked him into this. And so he's, uh, so then, like, like, yeah, well, we should team up. That sounds fun. And so then we get Sanjay Dutt, Jeff Jarrett, and Platinum Singh. They high five behind so. him. I'm like, oh. Damn, Mark. <laughs> but <laughs> but ultimately, the way I would take it, it, we're going on a little Mark Briscoe ride. He's not going to be going after a title anytime soon, seemingly, because obviously he just lost to Samoa Joe. Claudio seems like he's going to be entangled with Eddie Kingston for the, the foreseeable future. So you're going to have – he's not going to be a tag team with anybody, so you got to give him something to do. This is giving him something to yeah, do. Yeah, no, this is – this is totally fine, and I was very entertained by it. Uh, next championship match we had was uh, Jade Cargill um, defending against Billy Starks, uh, who is a very young um, wrestler. The most amazing thing, when I saw this on paper, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, Jade's just going to squash this poor girl. She sold the shit for the shit out of her. Um, it was like the most, I feel like I've seen Jade Cargill sell anybody. I got no. Go ahead, finish. Yeah, she beat her. I mean, I'm not saying she she won, which wasn't like a huge surprise. But Billy Starks is 18. But uh, yeah, I feel like um, you know it was a fun match. Uh, I yeah, I was I was I liked it. So front of the show, uh, Tender Mahal, um, he's watched this match. Apparently, I guess I was one of the last to watch it, and was not a fan and is not a fan of Jay Cargill basically saying that she is not very good in the ring. Um, thoughts on Jay Cargill. Cause obviously she is the TBS champion uh, undefeated. Apparently the, the rumor is that we're still waiting for Chris Statlander to get healthy. I'll just make it a two part question. Cause I, I was talking about this on Twitter is Jade being hurt waiting for Chris Statlander to come back. And then, like I said, just your overall thoughts on Jade in the ring. Is, do you think is she is as bad as Joey says she is? I She's not good. And I'm not saying that, that this is a good match because she was she was good. I, I mm-hmm. just like that she was doing more selling because uh, there were some funky spots in here. Right. Because Billy's very young and, right. she's, and Jade is not very good. The, but the fact that Billy Starks has more uh, ring, in-ring experience than Jade was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, th- this this could get clunky. 100%. And that's what it boils down to is just the experience. Like, Jade Cargill is somebody that needs house shows, and she needs to not just be squashing chicks in 30-second matches or whatever because that's the biggest problem is you can't get your reps. You can't learn how to sell. You can't learn how to tell a story and build a match if you're just out there squashing and that's what they had her do for the first year and um i don't she's definitely got star power um she definitely has potential she just needs reps and they seem to get that belt off of her like she's just not she kind of is the modern goldberg in the sense that she's Mm -hmm. not very good and she's got this like streak going that was goldberg right he was not good really arguably never good like (laughs) <laughs> as far as like a wrestler, uh, but he was an absolute star. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, she ain't Goldberg as far as like star power, but, um, 
need to do something. Uh, you know, maybe it's Chris Statlander. Um, in my head, I, I've been saying this for a while. I feel like it should be Willow Nightingale. Hey, man. Couldn't agree with Chris you. Chris Statlander would also be fine. I agree. Or does that Brit take it off of her? You know, like I don't know if that feels like it's. I almost hate to say it, but it feels like it's almost beneath Brit. But that that could be just me, just saying it because I always feel like Brit's in the title picture because Tony puts her in the title picture. Um, I agree. A, I agree with Willow Nightingale. I thought she was could have been the one to take it off of Jade. If you really want Chris, I don't understand this whole Chris Statlander thing. I I've never understood it. If this is plans have to change at some point i mean you know this is not doing jade any good if if it would be to me it would be different if like like you said if there were prolonged matches against women that felt like they were legitimate threats to her title and she would win it would be kind of like gunther okay the if gunther ran around and squashed everybody and but was squashing the madcap mosses of the world Nobody would give a fuck about Gunther's fucking uh, undefeated streak. And that's kind of what's happened. You know, this is no disrespect to anybody that Jade has beaten, but they've never really put up a real credible threat more times than not. Out of 10 women, I would say two were credible enough to where you're like, oh, shit. Like, you know, Will Nightingale is a great example. You know, uh, someone that you could look at and be like, oh, you know, Jade, I'm having a little trouble with this tonight. I don't understand what what the deal is with Chris Stangler. I, I get it. She's good. But, I mean, to hold up an entire title uh, of Jade's development because you want Chris Stantlander to win this, that makes no sense to me. Zero. Zero sense to me. Fuck it. I'll hit it the own button myself. Shit. He's heating up. I, I never understood it. <laughs> I just don't get it. Is is it that big a deal? Or am I, am I just I don't tripping? know. I don't I don't know if it's that at all. I'd actually never heard that personally. Uh, I just thought that they just didn't ever didn't want to beat Jade because they just wanted her to be Goldberg or whatever. But uh, but yeah. Okay, whatever. What what was next? Finish it up. Uh, I actually didn't watch the uh, main event, but it was uh, Lucha Brothers uh, versus Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall. Um, um, I just uh, couldn't get through it. Obviously, Lucha Brothers went over. You missed very little. It was kind of the, the I won't call it the wet fart part of the program, but it, you, you knew who was going to win. There were some decent spots. One part, uh, I, I think there was, I can't remember how they had a really good false finish to where you, you might have thought QT and Powerhouse Hobbs were going to win it, but ultimately, uh, Lucha Brothers retained. Um, who was in the crowd? I can't think who was in the crowd. I would have to look on Twitter, but neither here nor there. Gucci Brothers retained. It wasn't. It, this entire thing is nothing that you have to go out and see unless you want you like uh, Orange Cassidy or Jalisco. Outside of that, fairly missable battle of the belts. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like most of them, uh, yeah. but. Uh, Pretty good. There's some fun stuff. Um, especially awesome. Um, if you've ever seen Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland wrestle, like uh, for instance in Defy, um, you know that you are in for a treat. And man, these guys just delivered quite the opener. <laughs> this was quite the curtain jerker. Oh, shit. And um, 
you know, after this, uh, so basically just kind of like an overarching thing, what happened. Uh, so, uh, Allen and Swerve had this excellent match. And then Allen just, uh, sneaked out a pin. What's he call that thing? The Last Supper. And, you know, Orange Cassidy's got the mousetrap. He's got the Last Supper. So he barely eked out a pin. These guys had an excellent match. He eats out a pin. MJF comes down. Uh, you know, they get into a promo battle. Sting comes down. And then there's like kind of a three way promo battle. That's like kind of the segment at large. Um, very good overall for all of it. Uh, excellent match. And then with that, I think you had Jack Perry watching in the back doing the Bret Hart thing, like watching the TV in the back. But, um, you know, out of all of the four pillars, because this is kind of what they're doing, they're opening the shows with matches and they're getting wins and then we're setting them up in promo battles with MJF. Um, you know, we're talking the attack, but uh, I don't know how much you guys talked about it on the podcast last week. I, my, our text conversations are blending with the – right. Um, the podcast, but uh, I know Bill was was joking that the four pillars, including MJF, are like the lollipop guild. <laughs> and, that uh, was on the pod. Okay, yeah, and him and uh, Tinder were kind of talking about how uh, you know it just it, it's not main event like pay per view right. uh, type stuff. Which um, in one instance, I, I kind of agree with their um, so there's a singles match is going to be better as far as like a better draw and probably like maybe, maybe a better match. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it is an experiment. It is something that I think is worth doing because AW has these great pay-per-views and, you know, I feel like they have enough goodwill, um, to where people will buy this as a, um, you know, full on four way, main event like i think people will buy it as a main event but it is a little different and i I know joey was saying how you know jack perry hasn't had a singles title but for me um you know for all of them feels like the biggest i feel like if you just feels like the biggest one of them uh darby and that's the only time that you would say darby feels like the biggest uh because he's not big in any Anyway, but uh, as, as far as the uh, absolute you know, fucking bullshit, doing a really good job with his promos. Like his promos, like on his own, he's been doing really, really well. Right. Um, he has excellent matches. Uh, he's had an excellent match with MJF in the past, and that's the same thing with with uh, with with Jack. Uh, you know, they've had an excellent match before. He's done pretty good with his promos too. That's his weakest thing, but his, he's hanging. He's hanging in there. And, you know, Sammy's Sammy, and I feel like putting them all four together, this is an experiment to see if it can draw, which is, which is a, I think, a worthwhile experiment. They're, they're doing well, and there is going to be some undercard shit that's going to draw as well. But I think the match is going to surprise a lot of people. I think, just imagine what Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen are going to be willing to do Right. in a main event of a pay-per-view for right. a world heavyweight title. And this is also coming off MJF's best match of his career, mm. one of the best matches of the year. Mm. So, I don't know. Kind of getting away from the, the segment, but it, it, all of this leads up. Well, no, because, I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, double or nothing is is the payoff, and that was going to be my it's follow-up building. question. Do you think this is going to – because it feels like – it. 
it has fatal four-way vibes even when like you said Darby Allen in the ring this week, Jungle Boy in the ring the week before. You know, I think I have I can't remember if Sammy had the same scenario. I think he did, where you know Sammy was in the ring and the other two guys were watching him. I'm pretty sure that was on uh, either Rampage or Dynamite. So I mean, they're all interconnected, and MJF is the, the the centerpiece of the whole thing, so to speak. That that's their you know their interconnected tie or whatever the case may be. So. It feels like Fatal 4-Way, so that was going to be my follow-up question. Do you think it sticks to this path moving forward and then the payoff is a Fatal 4-Way at uh, Double or Nothing? Yep, I feel like that's what they've been, they've been building since that promo battle where they all stood in corners of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's what's happening. And granted, I know that multi-man matches are not some people's cup of tea, and um, I do think that I, again, I think it's worthwhile experimenting because you got to take risks. Like, you know, I, I don't want to um, beat a dead horse or, or talk out of both sides of my mouth. I don't want to say it's different in one promotion than it is in another, even right. though there are different situations. But, like, people aren't ever going to be on top or be seen as top guys unless you give them an opportunity. It's the same thing on a more. smaller scale with that, that Anna J. Julia Hart thing. Like, yeah, they're not main eventers, but, like, you give them an opportunity on the B show that – not a lot of ton of people are watching. Maybe maybe they pull pull something out. You know, maybe they elevate themselves. They didn't, but I think like these guys absolutely could. I think they have the potential to do it. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, at some point, you're going to have to figure it out. Obviously, MJF is one of the the pillars. He's on top. You're going to have to figure out, can Jungle Jack Perry talk? You're going to have to figure out, can Darby Allen talk? Can, you're going to have to figure out, can Sammy Steak can have his heat and still cut promos as well. I think there's this is a, a litmus test for all three of these guys to see if they are going to be world heavyweight champion. Can these can they do these certain things? I don't think there's a question about in ring, and that's just me. Obviously, if Bill was here, he'd probably be losing this shit. But I think all four of these guys in the ring can do the deal. Size wise aside. MJF's not a, a tall guy. He just he's he's done the one thing that you were kind of was supposed to do as a champion, and he got he bulked himself up. I have no problem with that. I totally feel that that's what you're supposed to do. He he now at least looks more of the part of the world heavyweight champion, even though he's not a tall individual. Darby Allen doesn't look like world heavyweight champion. Jungle Boy doesn't look like world heavyweight champion. And Sammy doesn't look like a world heavyweight champion. They can wrestle like nobody's business. They can wrestle, you know, a Brian Danielson and, you know, may have a really good match. But nobody looks at these guys the way that they kind of look. And, and some don't look at MJF like that as a world heavyweight champion. So I think this is an ultimate litmus test to see if these guys can do it. Quick sidebar. We talked about it off air, so let's kind of talk about it on air right now. It feels like this might be a a time where they're kind of circling the plane until one Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, comes back. The rumor is out where he is probably coming back around June. I think the, the date is the 21st. It feels right. Wembley, obviously, close on deck, and then they would have a show in Chicago subsequently thereafter. Our thoughts on CM Punk well documented. Let's just cut to the chase. A, do you do you think it's going to happen? And B, is it the right call? 
Oh man, um, I feel like I should have been ready for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm think, thinking about it, but uh, yeah, uh, like you said, thoughts, thoughts are well documented. Uh, is it going to happen? Even without this, like, kind of latest rumor mill, and without like hit punks like Instagrams and, and things like that, uh, I would have said that the longer time goes on, the more likely it is to happen, right? Because people cool off. Uh, people people forget. Um, people see dollar signs that can be made. Right. And they are more likely to acquiesce. Um, I do think it's funny that punk is, like, kind of putting the narrative out there, like, oh, I'm willing to work with the elite. And it's like, yeah, like, I bet you are. Like, you're the asshole. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like whether you're willing to do, like, business. Like, I was like, motherfucking like, shit is still going on without you, okay? <laughs> There's storylines going on whether, whether you are here or not, but you're willing to, oh, you're willing to play ball now. Oh, okay, okay, cool. No, I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead. He's like, the, he's like the guy who, like, got thrown out of the bar, and he's like, well, I was just, like, wanting to drink. And I'm like, yeah. I know you didn't want to drink. Like, you can't be in here. You're, like, being obnoxious. Like, you got to go. Like, yeah, but, like, I'm willing to, like, just sit down and, like, have my drink now. And it's like, no, you already acted a fool. Like, you got to go. I'm going to call the cops. Like, he say, I'm willing to act right now. My fault, y'all. I'm sorry. Nah, yeah. nigga, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, so, I do think that the longer we have and, and you know, Cooler heads can prevail. There's a lot of money to be made. Right. Um, and there's a very fun story to tell. Like, I mean, if you went like full heel mode and just had CM Punk, like, you know, it's going to come back to a pop. But if you have him come back and like be a heel and he'll, he'll like just act out the story and it'll be like, I'm willing to have a match with you if you guys all come in the ring and apologize to me. Right. You know, just like do some shit like that. Yeah. That, where, okay. It's the, it, that's. Just for BCM punk, right? Like work it. Yeah, that's where. We, as much as I, I think it would be a mistake because ultimately, I think the track record of CM Punk speaks for itself. You bring him in, yep. and ultimately, it implodes. But in the short term, if we're just you know talking about the next, you know, what what month is this? April. So in the next eight months to finish the year. It would make sense, especially when you have big pay-per-views coming up. You, if you really want to truly sell out Wembley Stadium, you're going to want to have CM Punk involved in that. I don't think that I didn't think that they wanted to truly sell it out. I think the fact that they they got it should have been a victory into itself. Now it feels like they want to try to sell this ninety thousand. Uh, venue out, which would be even a bigger bigger accomplishment. I mean, this is not even a WWE oh, conversation. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even think WWE can sell it out. Um, I mean, it's going to be a financial success regardless. But uh, I I think they absolutely want to make a statement, and right. uh, that would make a statement. And yeah, having Punk on the show is better than not having Punk on the show. Um, who do you have Punk wrestle? If uh, if he is in that Wembley Stadium show, or if he comes back, because you know MJF is certainly an option, right? Um, but I would almost do that in Chicago. Yeah, I was going to say you want to hold off on that. Um, 
obviously Omega's a definite possibility. Um, maybe Adam Cole, baby. Um, I'm thinking either either Omega. I feel like it'd be better to have him with Osprey because I feel like you want Osprey on there because of the British connection and if Osprey's wrestling. You want you want him to wrestle Omega, right. um, but uh, I mean, just do a a Hangman Page. CM Punk. Mm. Uh, you could do Jericho Punk too, I think. Uh, mm. Just because they're big, big stars. I think Hangman might be busy around that same time, uh, but we could talk about that in a second. I, didn't, I was going to say Punk coming back will throw a kind of a wrench into things because it feels like they have kind of storylines building to Wembley. I think Punk would kind of come in and be like, <laughs> "Fuck your shop, yo, fuck your cow." I know. Fuck your cow. Yeah, I know. Dax is trying to PR and Punk versus the Elite. Like that's what he's trying to to push for because he's like that's the shit that he's saying on his podcast and stuff. Um, I mean, but uh, you know, <laughs> it would just you know encompass everything in one fell swoop. I mean. And I don't think you, I don't think you have to kind of blur the lines between you know shooting kayfabe style in this scenario, and that's. Uh, I think if you line that match up, you said this is going to be a match. I think people would be like, "Fuck it," you know. I want to see this shit. So, in this scenario, I don't think you would have to have a, a quote unquote storyline for it. I just think that it would be, you know, fuck. You've been talking about this match. Here's the return of CM Punk, and this is how we're going to do it. You can kind of protect his old fragile ass with uh, FTR by his side and still have a uh, a match with the elite and give everybody what they want. One fail swoop. So there you go. Um, I don't, like I said, I think it's a mistake, but if you're going to do it, then fuck it. Let's just go ahead and and, and sell this fucking Wembley Arena out. You know, sell out, yeah. all, out all in or whatever the case may be. Uh, back I have home mixed feelings. I, I have mixed feelings because I'm the same way. I think it's a mistake, but at the same time, like, we have not, like, it's just, like, so fun to talk about. <laughs> like, yeah, because the, like, if, if, if for the short term, if he does come back, the possibilities are endless. You know, now you can get Punk and MJF the way you were supposed to. The, the firm might actually have, you know, a, a, something to do besides, you know, just being squashed left and right and have a, a big bill as their heater. You know, there's plenty of opportunities, obviously, with the elite. So, I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I just like I said. Tick, 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 yeah, <laughs> go ahead. What's next? Uh, let's see. Uh, so um, after that whole confrontation, uh, we had uh, oh yeah, Powerhouse Hobbs gets to the arena, he pulls up in a dope ass car, and um, absolutely squashes Silas Young. Man. Yeah, just no like two minute squash on Silas Young. Uh, who's a really good wrestler. Right. Um, definitely definitely not just a, a squash match job guy. But, not at uh, all. He was tonight, or last night. And the um, main thing, though, was not that. Immediately forgot about the squash whenever the um, camera goes outside. And uh, Wardlow takes, uh, I don't know, a bat or a pipe or something to this car. Starts beating the shit out of it, and then he goes all stone cold and uh, takes a forklift and flips it over. Uh, absolutely nuts. Um, 
fun stuff. I mean, that's fun pro wrestling. And uh, as soon as Powerhouse Hobbs pulled up in that car, I was like, Wardlow's going to destroy this car. Because, yeah, like, yeah, why I'm else just would like, yeah, I'm like, God damn, that motherfucker look nice. That kid ain't getting banged up, ain't it? <laughs> Somebody go, fuck this car clean up. I can't wait. No, it wasn't even all that exciting. That was definitely a, a foreshadowing of uh, Wardlow's appearance on the show. Obviously getting his receipt, a little receipt Dude. on Powerhouse Hobbs. Um Dude, he powerbombed Aaron Solo. Then he came out and ran Wayne Weld. Powerbomb Aaron Solo off the stage, and there was two tables outside. Solo only went, went through, through one. one of them. Yeah. They were, like, next to each other, yeah. and then he slammed his back of his head on the second one. Oh, my God, that looked brutal. Yeah, that was... So many guys hitting their heads this week. <sighs> oh, shit. I was going to really say, I tripped off of that, too, because the camera angle where you could see Solo on the ground, one table was crushed, the other table was just sitting there like, you know, hey, I still get paid for this shit, right? So <laughs> in that scenario, I was like, yeah, that that's a rough little bump. Obviously, Wardlow was going to come back. QT or QTV uh, was a part of, I guess, you know, to make him look, you know, be more of a sympathetic baby face. I thought the if you saw QT or QTV this week when uh, I guess the Ashley chick was like, you know, go break a leg to QT Marshall and QT Marshall or QT Marshall was like, who am I, Dante Martin? I was like, oh, man, that's some fucked up shit. So, I mean, in that scenario, <laughs> you know, I get it. It was designed to, you know, elicit response and, you know, give, make uh, Wardlow feel more sympathetic. I don't know if, it, if he wasn't gone long enough, but I still wasn't like, you know, okay, you know, it's good to have Ward go back. He did what, you know, a babyface was going to supposed to do. You know, you stole the title from me, so now I'm going to start tearing your shit up. Okay, I get that. But now if next week there's already a title match. I'm like, damn, okay. What? I guess this... Now it's like, once again, it's do or die, and they put Ward go in a spot where I... I think you could have built this up a little more, kicked the can down the line. Because so, now, if Wardlow wins, you kind of fucked up Powerhouse Hobbs. If Wardlow loses, you're fucking up Wardlow even more. I don't know. Am I, am I tripping or am I thinking of overthinking this? No, I just think uh, I just think Wardlow's in a in a tough spot, and he has been ever since um, he cooled off after the MJF thing. Um, he was white hot there, mm. man, and the. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty bonkers. I don't know. That is tough because well, we I love don't us some Tony Khan here. Yeah, we love us some Tony Khan here, but this is, I've never understood how you, if you took the gas off of Wargo, I've never understood it. He should still, if somebody should be dominating with a mid-card title at this point and then send him up to MJF, it should be Wargo. That's the end game, baby. MJF Wardlow should be on the radar. It should, for me, if you gave your boy the pencil, that's how MJF loses the title to Wardlow. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, even if, like, they should have some kind of interaction, whether, even if it's just yes. a, a TV match, you know, like, oh, he doesn't even need a title. Him, just you're cross the stupid. Yeah, have him do the stupid MJF thing where, you know, like, he comes out, he calls out MJF, and says, like, they can show the video, the replay of the match. Like, Wardlow will be like, hey, I got a little something to show you, Max. And it's just the and match. It's going to take from, long. 
it wouldn't take long. Wouldn't take up much TV time. They nope. could show you know him dominating and be like, I need, I want my title shot. And um, you know if Jeff can do his his stupid, oh, I'll give it to you. If you do X X Y and Z, Wardlow does all that, and then they have a TV match for the title or whatever. You know, trying to pop a rating and uh, you know, and then have Wardlow lose to some fuckery. Like that's fine. Like just at least give him what was due from that in kayfabe. Um, at least then he's doing something. He's fighting for the world title because fighting for the world title is still something, right? right? As as Cody uh, was reminded mm. um, by his friend Matt, uh, which we'll get to here in a little bit. <laughs> but um, so uh, yeah, there was quick video package that we should mention. Uh, Keith Robinson, mm. uh, who, uh, aka the Bang Bang Gang, which is pretty funny. Uh, and, uh, they're basically saying that, uh, they're having bullet club gold. So I imagine this is setting up for some forbidden door right. stuff. Right. Uh, but, um, but yeah, like I do agree, uh, with, uh, Bill's take last week that Jay White should not just be hanging out with Juice Robinson and be like Juice Robinson's buddy, even though this is a continuation of a larger wrestling storyline, I think the best thing for Jay White to be doing it like is to be like in the title picture, right. As separated, like challenging MJF, right. Like that's kind of the money match for double or nothing. I, I, I did say, I like the experiment of the four way. I enjoy that, but you got to Jay White is that guy um, that comes in. And uh, especially just imagine the, the promo interactions between the two of them. They can set up a title match. No pressure at all. Let's stick with Jay White for 30 seconds because that was the running argument last week. Joey jumped on the the train and said that Jay White wouldn't have been a a needle, a mover of the needle if he showed up on the Raw after WrestleMania. Do you agree that he would not have been a needle mover if he showed up the night after WrestleMania? Um, I mean... Raw audience is not going to know who he is. Um, it's not not like AJ or something. Right. Um, they just wouldn't. Uh, would they be pretty quick to find out? And could Jay White present himself in a way to where, like, he comes across as like an absolute star badass? Uh, I think absolutely. But just as far as like the the entrance and like the what do you call it the the introduction. I think most people watching and in the stands would just be like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, and that's not Jay White's fault. I'm going to have to kind of disagree because I think the Raw after WrestleMania is a smarky crowd, and I think if, if there was the time to do it, that was the time to do it. Um, it would. I don't think it would have been a scenario where he'd have came in and people would have been like, who the fuck is Jay White? People know who, at least the name of who Jay White is. And in that scenario, where you got all kinds of people from around the world, I don't think Jay White would have came out to crickets by any stretch of the imagination. <clears throat> now, from that point, I guess we haven't really talked about it. Obviously, Jay White, well, you hadn't had a chance to talk about it. Jay White obviously signed with AEW last week, so that takes one player off of the WWE chessboard for their uh, long-term plans. Do you think AEW was the best spot for him to land? Because obviously rumors are bound that Vince has taken back creative control and that was rumored to be a part of the reason why 
Jay White went to AEW versus going to WWE. So, once again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Did Jay White make the right call? You know, it's tough because the I think, you know, as far as maybe stylistically fulfilling and as far as, like, the audience and stuff, yeah, I think he did. Um, who knows how much money WWE offered him. Right. Um, you know, but... Um, I mean, timing-wise, just with all this Vince stuff, and I mean, especially with speaking of the Raw after WrestleMania, with just how bad that show was, and obviously it was because Vince was in charge of it, and you know he wasn't at the shows more recently. But um, yeah, it, it's you know there's that uncertainty um, for sure. Um, and the other the other side of it is with AEW, they have so many guys. He could eventually, uh, unfortunately, just be another guy on the roster, like even if he is placed well, uh, there's just so many guys, right? Uh, but he does, mm-hmm. I think with AEW, you know, he has the opportunity to tie into New Japan right. and go to Japan, right. and that's something that he would not be able to do with WWE. Right. So, um, you know, I would say maybe. It's what I would. That's what I want to see. Like, I, I'd rather have him in AEW, but that's me. No, um if the rumors about Vince being back in control are true, and like I said last week, I'll take it with a grain of salt. If he's back, you know the good. The only good part about it is the bloodline storyline is going to still be good. The rest, everybody else is fending for themselves. If I'm Jay White, and I even think that's a, a remote possibility, it makes a lot more sense to, to sign with AEW, even if you have to take less money. His family, his wife is here. It's it does like you said it. it it does give you the ties to New Japan if you want to go over to New Japan or go anywhere else for that matter and have matches that could possibly come up from, you know, angles of storylines that's on AEW television. So, yeah, I don't necessarily, you know, if you asked me this a month ago, like I said, I was all about him going to WWE, but the, him going to AEW does make sense. But like you said, the, he's running the risk of being a part of the sauce versus being the actual meat in the gumbo, so to speak. Uh, yeah. The indeed uh, sausage, so, if you will. <laughs> uh, moving, moving on to, so, um, brevity's sake, uh, George Cassidy, buddy, uh, Matthews or yeah, Matthews. Now, um, they had an excellent match again, like told an excellent story. Uh, Cassidy's hand, uh, you know, is all jacked up, and that was kind of like the main story. Um, and I mean, you knew that these guys would have an excellent match, but uh, they absolutely did. Uh, you know, George Cassidy won with a mousetrap, barely eked it out. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're getting to somebody's going to take that title off of Orange. It's going to happen eventually. I uh, will have to wait and see. You know, you think who he makes it, it to double or nothing? Um. I don't know. Um, he's on TV every damn week. I think he makes it. I think he makes it to double or nothing. I don't think he's going at some point they'll give him a week off and not have him defend the title, but he'll be on TV and somebody will catch him slipping and he'll lose it at double or nothing. That's my guess. All right. Um, who do you think uh, he should lose it to? <sighs> Somebody that's on the come up that I would like to see him drop the title to. Um, 
I don't see anybody that's a heel that I really, really like. It, it, bro, it, it almost I, a part of me was, was like Brody King feels like the guy that's going to ultimately because it feels like the house of the black is circling around him, and every time you look up, even after this match against uh, Buddy Matthews, you can kind of see like Julia Hart, you know, giving uh, OC the stink eye or whatever. Like you know, motherfucker, this ain't done yet. I think it's going to be one of the House of Black guys. One of them will be a double champion. Fuck it. I'll go with Brody King. Uh, that's a really fun answer. I think Brody King or Malachi Black would be would be fun uh, in that regard. Um, I'm sure I'm I totally was actually awesome. thinking, you No, know, I mean, uh, I, I like that. Um, I was thinking maybe Adam Cole. Okay. I, I think Adam Cole is going to be tied up with uh, somebody else going to that double or nothing portion of the program, but I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, Adam Cole needs to kind of, you know, get hot again, feel important. I don't necessarily think the title would make him do make him feel important. I think beating Orange Cassidy at this point, you know, kind of puts him back on the map because Orange Cassidy is, like you said, white hot. Adam Cole is just coming off an of injury, so I mean... Daniel Garcia is a good start, you know, beating Orange Cassidy for a title. You know, you got people's attention. I've heard his word on yeah, those ideas. I guess, yeah, um, I imagine, yeah, Cole and Jericho will be the double or nothing match. That's my guess. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll get another, well, actually, here's something worth watching on Rampage uh, tomorrow night. So you'll probably listen to this. If you listen, you'll probably so tonight on Rampage, uh, <laughs> you can watch um, versus Aussie Open. That's probably going to be fantastic. Who did you say was placing Aussie Open? Uh, best friends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that tell, yeah, that was the best friend segment. Yeah, that that should be. This, okay, see, there you go, there you go. That's the kind of match I want to see. I would assume Aussie Open would go over, but I don't know. Best friends are good enough to where I could honestly see them, especially under the AEW flag, winning that match. Yeah. Um, so, especially, you know, they've got history in Japan. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really, really good, though. Uh, I mean, Best Friends uh, has a five-star, like, TV match, tag match already. Um, so, um, no anyway, the, the, the next segment, I don't want to go in depth, but I just want to talk about how fucking stupid it was. Um, Ethan page, uh, you know, was talking about the firm and, you know, Matt Hardy and all this. And then Hardy, you know, comes out with like say Cassidy and talked about like contract manipulation Nobody knows what's going on here, and this was the most convoluted, dumb shit on the entire show. Um, this is an absolute mess. So, um, no, but I will no, say, it, yeah, it led into a Jeff Hardy return. Um, the, the return was not good either. Like, it was just, he comes out with a chair and, like, Big Bill just bends over and lets him hit him and hit him with the chair, and it was just—I don't know if he did it just like because he didn't want to sell for Hardy, um, or what. Like I don't know, uh, or if it was, cause usually Big Bill's pretty good, but this looked like shit. Uh, Jeff Hardy did not look good. Um, just killed Isaiah Cassidy with a swanton bomb. 
I know the crowd loved it and they will, you know, they're going to hear that. Um, you know, and I wish the best for him, but I just don't need to see him on TV anymore. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you think about Jeff Hardy return? Um, I think that was Lee Moriarty that he almost killed. Uh, oh, okay. Neither here nor there. You know, we all look the same. <laughs> Sorry. I had to be, you had to be built there for 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I guess this was always kind of a thing, and this might be a precursor to CM Punk coming back. You know, Jeff Hardy was definitely not in the best position when we last saw him, and now he's getting another chance to to come back. And I'm not even going to say redeem himself, but just, you know, do work on screen. You know, try not to uh, shoot yourself in the foot type shit. Um, the actual physical save was what it was. At least he didn't come out, dance first, and then come down and, and make the save. He actually was, you know, had some forethought, brought some, ch- brought the chair with him, and did what he needed to do. Um, I'm just not, a, I'm kind of just not a fan of Jeff Hardy. I, he doesn't do anything for me. So his return was what it was. It's for the fans that do like him. And there are fans that do like him. I mean, shit, I had guys, you know, giving me all kinds of shit because of a take I had on CM Punk. I basically said, you know, I think it would be a mistake for him to come back. And, you know, of course, somebody's got to come out of the woodwork. So, and, you know, so there's always going to be fans of guys that I don't like, that Zach doesn't like, that Bill doesn't like, whatever the case may be. But for me in this scenario, it did absolutely nothing for me. I get it. Pop the crowd. Okay, Jeff Hardy's back. Now what? Yeah, what's going to happen? Uh, it, it's just, they weren't doing good. They weren't looking good. Neither one of them could barely walk. Yeah, and uh, now you're asking them to, what, I guess, Ethan Page is going to do the, the job with him, against him or whatever. I don't know. That, none of that appeals to me, man. And everybody knows how I feel about Ethan Page. You know, I, I think I'm a huge mark for the, the man or whatever the case may be. Um, so in that scenario, it just it bothers me to to see him in this scenario where he's getting ready to do the job ultimately. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that, uh, Michael combat club destroyed the elite. Geek. Just destroyed him. <laughs> but that's what's he supposed to happen. Though. Oh yeah. You knew it was going to happen, but yeah, they bled a lot. Um, so, uh, basically beat him up till Omega came out and then, uh, Young Bucks also came out, ran off Black Bull Combat Club, stabbed a screwdriver into the turnbuckle. Um, this is going to be a very solid pay-per-view match. Um, this is going to be a great draw. Um, once again, and I love the fact that it's just you and me on this podcast. Joey O'Farrell, once again, uh, he and I had a conversation and you immediately came to mind because the Young Bucks, he, he brought up the Young Bucks, and he said that the Young Bucks do not, cannot tell a story, I think, were the, the correct choice of words. I'll let you rebut that statement from one Tinder Mahal. Man, I mean, just watch the Young Bucks, uh, like, I don't know, like, that's baffling to me because I feel like they're, storytelling is like layered um like there's some matches that are spot fest but they're absolutely like 
not all of them. Was it uh, Young Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman Page? It was like, you know, one of the greatest tag team matches of all time, just layers upon layers of storytelling in that match. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's just not watching closely enough. <laughs> I was thinking the... Uh I didn't say it because I was just kind of like, okay. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, please remember for Thursday. Please remember for Thursday. And I didn't want to, I wasn't thinking of a, a rebuttal. But, I mean, the one that comes up right to mind is the uh, the best of seven. Uh, them versus uh, them and Kenny yeah, versus super the. Super creative, uh, like constantly different finishes. Right. Different matches. Like every single one of them was different. I don't know. I, like I said, ultimately. He was his point was he he likes them in ring, but he doesn't think they can tell his story. I, I was kind of baffled, baffled by it because like like I said, when I got off the phone with him, I was like, "Wait a minute, did he just say what I thought?" I was more concerned about make sure I remember this versus did he say what I thought he just said? And then I started to think about it. I was like, well, damn, you know, the best of seven was kind of dope. <laughs> and I was getting ready to say it to him. I was like, eh, never mind. It's kind of late anyway, so I just let it go. But I just, I wanted to ask the, the, the clearly the Bucks mark of the group. I knew what you were going to say, but I just wanted you to say it for posterity's sake. So that way he can at least think about it. And if he wants to change his mind, so be it. If that's the hill he wants to die on, he could do that as well. What's next? Uh, let's see. We had uh, Tony Storm, Ruby Soho defeating Rios, Sky Blue. Uh, Heels got some new new gear. Um, pretty much, uh, was it? Perfect Baker came out for the save afterwards. Uh, really, about all you can say about this. Um, moving that story forward. Um, Jericho defeated Keith Lee, um, and then continuing. Or continuing the uh, Adam Cole Jericho um, feud, basically just kind of like a mirror image of the the previous week. Uh, but uh, match was uh, okay. Uh, a lot of interference from Daniel Garcia, so it wasn't like you think Jericho and him could have like a really good match, and uh, they just didn't. Uh, I think maybe it was TV, maybe it was. Interference. I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah, no, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I don't. I don't think it was as bad as maybe. I think you feel like it was. It was somewhere probably in the gray. Uh, you know, I look for certain things for Keith Lee. You know, him doing the uh, the moonsault off, off the second rope. That's what I look for. So I mean, you know, it's good to see that and coming back in Keith Lee's arsenal, whatever the case may be, there were spots that they did miss. So, you know, I do, do agree with you that it wasn't the cleanest match of the bunch. I just, I, this is kind of always a, a pet peeve of mine and just, you know, wrestling in general. Keith Lee kind of needs a little, a little loving right now. And I'm, I'm not talking about the me and Yim, Yim kind. I'm talking about the Tony, Tony Khan kind. I mean, he kind of feels like he's one of those guys that's getting, you know, lost in the shuffle and I don't think it should be that deep now is it a scenario where he's not having good matches you're not putting up good storylines that's another debate for another time I just think that Keith Lee felt like was the guy that could have won this match I get why Jericho did but then 
you know, have Jericho go over somebody that still connects him with Adam Cole. I don't even think you needed Keith Lee to do that. It just it makes it easier to do it because it's a direct path. But I just, I don't know. I just was kind of hoping Keith Lee was going to win this match. And obviously he didn't. And now it feels like, you know, he's going to be a pawn in this um, Keith Lee, I'm sorry, this Adam Cole, baby, and Chris Jericho feud. I just, I look for more from that. From the women's match, I don't know what, and this is just me. I don't know why you say continuation. To me, this is just spinning the wheels. I'm just waiting for them to figure out what the match is that they want to put on and be done with it. Every week is the same. It's the same women every week. It's, you know, the outcast, spray painting the loser of Riho, Sky Blue, whomever, Willow Nightingale, which pisses me off. Um, just announce a match. Jamie Hayter's just getting lost in this shuffle. Everybody remember Jamie Hayter. She's your AEW Women's Champion. You know, let's, let's fo- can we focus on that? You know, I know that they were talking about, oh, we're going, you know, one of us is going to take the title off her. Well, then fucking announce the shit. God damn. Otherwise, or announce the tag team match. Otherwise, we, this is spinning of the wheels. He doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do, so he's just running the same shit out every week. Yeah, I mean, I just glossed over it because there's nothing new, right? It, it but, really isn't, and that's a damn shame. And it's back in that same little spot right before the main event, the, a.k.a. the to chase the seat bell uh, bathroom break slash <laughs> shower match depending on where you are in life. Right, that was uh, that was dynamite. That's AEW. So we yeah, can I, move it on to uh, uh, a. No, go ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say we can move it on to a uh, a WWE three count before my phone died. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. I'll pick up the pace. Let's get to that three count. <laughs> Just some quick thoughts on WWE on SmackDown. The one big note, Triple H did come out on SmackDown and announced that there would be a draft coming up uh, somewhere in the f- next few weeks. Uh, obviously, a date hasn't been announced, but I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, possible things that could happen. Rhea Ripley should be going to SmackDown to Judgment Day go with. Is this the time to break up the Street Profits? Is this the time to break up Alpha Academy? Things along those lines. If you had the pencil, you could do the one thing, one thing only, the very first thing. What's the one move you make to start this WWE draft? I would get rid of the draft. <laughs> say, psych. Because <laughs> this whole shit. time, this whole time, WWE like has been hot, you know, and been really into it. It's because people just been going back and forth. Like, Sammy's on the show, Roman's on the show, you know, KO's on the show. It doesn't matter. People are just on the show. It's fantastic. You don't need a brand split. It, it screams Vince McMahon. And the sh- the draft shows have historically done okay ratings, but like the last few haven't because they're just meaningless. Right. It's all just meaningless. Uh, I hate it so much. Nothing good is going to come of this. Mm, strong words. Okay, shit. I was thinking more. This would if Cody Ward had won. This was a time to then split up the titles, hold the second title up, have a tournament. But obviously, that's not going to happen. So. Neither here nor there. Um, much less nothing. Much to do about nothing on SmackDown. Brawling Brutes 
Ricochet, Liv, and Raquel, and Dominic Mysterio, and Damian Priest, all winners in individual matches. Dominic Mysterio, um, on record, arguably one of the hottest heels of 2023. I'm not saying he's the heel of the oh year. Oh, my but, God. Uh, so they, were, they were in Portland. I was going to buy tickets. Like, Saturday night after WrestleMania night one was so good. I'm like, oh, I'm buying tickets. I'm going to SmackDown. This is great. Right. I didn't. And then I went to sleep and I watched. Uh, woke up and I watched WrestleMania night two, which was a very good show. But it just, like, deflated the shit out of me. And I was like, ah, okay. I was like, maybe this week. And then I watched Raw. And it was just terrible. And I was like, I am not buying tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and then, like, SmackDown was, like, pretty decent, though. Uh, but uh, just the heat that the Dom got, oh, my God, Portland brought it. That was some of the biggest boos I've ever heard, like, a heel get. That they were booing the dog shout Dom to the point where he opened uh, Raw on Monday night. I believe that was in Seattle where uh, our boy is on the way to, and he couldn't get out of a word edgewise when he came out and then uh, interrupt Ray. Obviously, that turned into Finn versus uh, Ray Mysterio. I got to give Finn all kinds of credit. Not only did he get staples in the head in the WrestleMania match, apparently he was going into the WrestleMania match hurt. Uh, grade two calf tear or something along those lines. He had a calf injury. If you didn't know, if you didn't know he didn't have a calf injury, and you watched that match, you would have never known. You just thought he just got his head split open to the white meat. But all of credit, maybe all credit to Finn Bauer. Um, he's never probably going to be that guy, but to me, that just gives me, you know, more, you know, gives me a different way to look at Finn Bauer. He'll never be the champion again, probably, especially if Vince is truly back in charge, but you know, at least Finn Bauer is going to be ready to answer the bell literally and figuratively. Uh, who was, who was it? Uh, Lita gets jumped backstage. Nobody knows who it is. Becky and Trish, decide they're going to defend the tag team titles. Obviously, they lose to Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. And then, obviously, from that point, you have the Trish Stratish heel turn on Becky Lynch. I'll I'll let you go first. You know what I'm going to say. What would you think? Oh, man, I mean, I feel like nobody gives a shit. I just didn't give a shit. Um, That was my main takeaway. Uh, and I'm glad they got it off of Becky and Lita because uh, Lita just wasn't doing it. But uh, Do you think Trish was better? Than Lita? Yes. Oh, man, like five times better. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, maybe they made a mistake. and uh, Maybe that's where we're going to spit off of it. You know, Trish ain't shit. Trish was like, fuck it. You know, Lita ain't shit. This bitch is cutting food, can barely even move. Now, all of a sudden, you know, she's a tag team jab. Well, I'm sitting over here just, you know, stewing over this whole thing. That's the only thing. Honestly, I'm glad that that experiment is over. You know, Liv and Raquel, hopefully, they can do, they'll get booked to where they can do something with it. If not, you know, I don't know. They'll they'll figure something out for both of them. I don't think they'll both go like go into uh oblivion for lack of a better term but ultimately this is about becky and trish 
I want to see a, you know, she's got to have the Why Trish Why uh, promo. So we, I, I need at least, you know, some sort of, you know, decent answer. And then from that point, you know, you guys have this match. But ultimately, like I said, this, it all goes back to damage control. You took the titles off of them. And now the spinoff begins. Feels like they're going to break up. Adding more, you know, fuel to that fire. Bailey has graciously, quote unquote, given up her spot in the triple threat match later on that night to one EO Sky. EO Sky wins said triple threat match. So EO and Bianca Belair down the line somewhere for the WWE Raw Women's title. I'll ask you, is damage control done? And are you excited for a EO Bianca match? Uh, Io Bianca would be fantastic, just like in ring. Damage control is probably done. Um, I feel like, you know, they gave him a little bit of a run. They're not getting over too much. I mean, I like the team. I like all the women in it. But as far as, like, they're not particularly over, um, you know, everything kind of runs its course. They gave it a, gave it a shot. I wouldn't, I'm not going to be angry about them pulling the plug on damage control, even though I'm a fan of everyone in it. Um so. No, I think it's it's kind of ran its mark, especially the way they've booked it. But it, you know, it, it was a good it was a good try, but it just you know, it, it ran out of steam, you know, really quickly. I'm kind of surprised in that aspect, but neither here nor there. Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed ends in a double countout. Um, I'm not sure what the hell they're doing with that. Um, Bronson Reed feels like a guy you should build up to Bobby Lashley versus having them wrestle each other. But I guess time will tell. Obviously, the big story from Raw on Monday night is Cody calling out Brock Lesnar for a WWE match at Backlash. You didn't get a chance to vent on last week's pod about the Roman Reigns retaining the title. Here's your chance if you want to vent on it or you could talk about Cody's promo on Monday night, or you can do both, whichever you want to do. I mean, you guys said a lot what I was thinking. Uh, it was just a perfect opportunity, and it feels like that opportunity has been missed, even if he wins, you know, a little bit down the road. Uh, I don't think a thousand days is important. I don't think it matters. I think that uh, the brand is suffering in, because of stagnation. Like, it's hot because of some programs, but those programs are have now you know started to kind of run their course. Like Ray and Dom's still hot, Sami Zayn is still hot, mm. and you know there's some stuff to tell with the bloodline. There's just so many more interesting stories um, to be told, and so many more fresh opponents and fresh matches to be had. Uh, it just seems like they took a you know I wouldn't say they took a risk in keeping it on Roman. I think that them having it on Roman was always a possibility. Uh, I think that they were risk averse and I don't know, man. Um, it just bummed me out. Um, just more of the same. And it'd be different if they had told a different story with it. It's the same finish and the, the same match that we're seeing, you know, every three months. Cause that's the only, that's all Roman wrestles. Like every three months we see that same match every three months and that's the world title picture. Um, it's just very frustrating because a lot of other stuff in the brand is very hot and I just feel like they're, they're dropping the ball and they're missing the boat. And it's not about Cody. It's not about Sammy. It's not even necessarily about Roman. It's just, it's about the, you know, the story. Yeah. The bloodline stuff with Sammy was like, that's one of the greatest stories wrestling's ever told. Um, 
it hit its crescendo, right? right. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, you probably have some more story to tell, but I feel like a more intriguing story <clears throat> would be the, the 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 destruction of the bloodline at WrestleMania. Right. They lose all of their championships, right. and then there's infighting. And then if you want to have a redemption, like like a Usos redemption or like a you know bring back Jay versus you know, you could have the Usos versus Roman and Sokoa. You could have Jay versus Roman. Um, those are more intriguing stories to me than just the same fucking shit. I was joking with you on text message uh, <laughs> that Roman is like the evil of <laughs> WWE. It's a, you know, it's a boring ass title reign with interference on every match. Like, just killing me. But anyway, um, that's funny with, shit. With Lesnar, uh, yeah, I mean that's something that Cody could overcome. I'm I'm excited to watch that match, like Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. That's a big match to me. But right. you know what would be a bigger match for me? WWE Universal Champion Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, right? Because then you're like, oh man, Brock can take this thing off this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, I don't know. That's just you know, it's it's more interesting. It's fresh. It's 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 for more stakes. Uh, if he would have the title, but I am excited for the match and I'll, you know, just take what I can get. I'll ask you the same. No, I, no, I, I totally get it. I'm, I'm with the bloodline too. That you know, where, wherever it goes, I'm, I'm going to watch it regardless. I'll ask you the same question. Bill asked me, does Cody win the title at SummerSlam? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Usos beats Alpha Academy. Obviously, the aforementioned Usos. Um, there, obviously, they'll be interesting because it feels like they're still bloodline loyal. But uh, obviously, Roman and Solo taking the lead from Roman. Paul Heyman in the ear. Feel like they have other thoughts. Obviously, that will be flushed out here in the weeks to come. Uh, backstage KO segment, no big deal. But then the main event, obviously, KO versus Solo Sokoa. Solo uh, wins with some fuckery. Obviously, the Usos at ringside help Solo Sokoa get the win. Sammy, Zayn, and Riddle come out to help make the save and run off the bloodline. So, I'm assuming that Roman will not be in... Uh, was that Puerto Rico for backlash? I think I assume you these six guys will be the main event at backlash. You have Ray and Dom versus Bunny, and I'm sorry, Ray and um, Bad Bunny versus Dom and Damian Priest, and whatever other matches they want to throw out there. Um, does backlash feel like a pay per view you want to watch? I mean. Yeah, I want to watch the show. It's not a pay-per-view that I would be happy to spend money for. Um, but it's something I want to watch. Um, I'm happy that it's included in my $5. But uh, <laughs> if it was something I had to spend money for, I would pirate that shit 100%. <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, not unless you throw me something that I don't see coming. Uh, this feels like the bridge to, I guess, uh, shit, what's after this? Uh the Saudi show. That's where yeah. I think Roman will come back, and then uh, they'll be in London for Money in the Bank, and then uh, I think Summer Slams after that feels right. Yeah, feels right. Yep. Okay. Cool. Any other thing you want to vent on WWE before we come back? You want to shit on Vince or anything like that? 
Uh, nothing I haven't said a million times before. <laughs> That's it for our three count. Uh, shit, no odds and ends that I can think of. I think we pretty much covered it. I've thrown everybody underneath the bus that I could possibly think of at this point. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, let's just wrap this some bitch on up. Um, two beer. Thanks for uh, coming out per usual. Um, it's always good to have you. It's, it's, it's nice to actually have a conversation with you from time to time. I know there's a, a lot of podcasts out there. Well, uh, thank you for listening to ours. For Shock City Studios, for Sam Namara Mall, for Tinder Hall, for uh, Patriot Pats, for Murray the Murray Man Murray, for Lucha Chris, for Bill Vagie. Everybody pray for him for his safe return back from Seattle. That's my man, uh, Two Beers Zach Pullman. I'm your non-humble host, Jason Cornelius Bell, a.k.a. JCB, a.k.a. The Smart. Mark, Mark, or the Smart Knight. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Everybody go see your local dispensaries. Everybody go see your fucking uh, restaurants, and everybody boo the fucking heels. Boo, bitch. <laughs>